so excited that you're listening in today. Today, I'm excited to interview a good friend of mine. We have been friends for, gosh, over 10 years now. And um, her name is Kara Watson. Kara, welcome. We're so Thanks. excited to have I'm you. I'm glad to be here. A little bit about Kara. She is um, an incredible wife and mom of two boys. She has a background in writing and journalism. She has lived in Africa, in Japan, and now she and her husband live in Turkey, where her husband is getting his PhD. And um, she's going to talk with us today. Kara wrote an awesome Bible study that I've done and I've led some people through, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But um, first, I just want to say, Kara, I'm so glad to have you. Thank you. I do want you to start by telling us, tell everybody, because your kids have awesome names. I mean, I just love your boys' names. And so tell everybody what your boys' names are and, and what they mean. Yeah, well, my um, my husband has always been really big on meanings of names. So when we were deciding um, the name for our first son, um, he quickly um, got rid of any names that were like just oh, it sounds cool, whatever kind of names. Mm. And so um, towards the end, we were we still hadn't decided. And just a couple weeks before he was born, we actually didn't know the gender, so we were trying to have both a girl's name and a boy's name ready. And a couple weeks before he was born. Um, he was just reading in Song of Solomon and read the verse, um, he has brought me to his banqueting table and his banner over me is love. And it's Song of Solomon's lover talking to Solomon, <laughs> but it's sort of a metaphor for us and God mm -hmm. um, and sort of how God's banner over us is love. And so um, we ended up naming him Banner That's awesome. <laughs> um, from that verse and, and then found other scriptures that have a really cool reference to Banner and also... And he was born very close to Fort McHenry, where the Star Spangled Banner was written. Oh, so there's all these connections. <laughs> I forgot that was part of it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and then our second son, um, we had had actually um, a miscarriage in between our two kids. And um, God just did a really neat work in my life and mm. um, reminded me that the victory is in him and um, not in anything about this life on earth. And that, you know, whether we live or die, um, Jesus has won the final victory and the final battle mm -hmm. belongs to him. Mm -hmm. And um, just God did a really sweet work in my life um, in that time and when I was newly pregnant with our second son. And so uh, we ended up naming him, his first name is Victory, and uh, we live in Turkey. And so in Turkey, if kids have two names, a first name and a middle name, they usually use the middle one. And his middle name is Aslan which is Turkish for a lion. It's Aslan, guys. Like, right. I mean, from <laughs> Narnia. I'm like, when I heard his name, it was one of those moments where I thought, why didn't I think of that name? That's such a cool name. I didn't know you thought that. <laughs> I did. I totally did. Although I always pronounce it wrong because in Turkish it's Aslan. Right. Yes. Right. And it actually is a boy's name in yeah. Turkey. So no one's surprised right, by it right, and right. everybody pronounces it Aslan, which is just the way... And, and they don't even realize that in the Chronicles of Narnia, which has been translated into Turkish, they don't realize that the lion's name is Aslan in, oh. in the English version, because they hear Aslan with a capital A and just think, oh, that's the word lion that we yeah. use every day is the that's word lion. Awesome. So it's kind of funny. And, that's um, cool. Anyway, it just works really well for us in Turkey. And <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. It's awesome. Like, I just love their names. Well, and also... Kara, when I saw you um, just recently, I, I am used to seeing Kara with long hair. And when oh. she walked in, she has this adorable, I know you all can't see her, she has this adorable short little bob haircut. And you told me there's a story behind this haircut. You made quite the face when I told you how <laughs> cute your haircut was. So what is the story behind this adorable haircut? Yeah, so I went um, about a week ago, and I did have um, pretty long hair at the time, and so I thought I should do the whole donation thing, which I've done in the past, you know, just cut the whole uh, ponytail off one big 
thing at a time and then mail it off. And so I thought, um, okay, I might as well do that. I'm not like super attached to my hair. I'm kind of like low maintenance about it. I don't style it very much. And so I was like, all right, let's just chop it off. And she said it would still be shoulder length afterwards. And so I was like, okay, I can handle that as long as I can still put it in a ponytail mm-hmm. when I want to exercise or wash my face or whatever. And so she, <laughs> she cut it. She cut off the whole braid and like gave it to me in a plastic bag. And then she just kept cutting and there were still these big chunks falling off. And I was like, what is she doing? And when she finished, I was mm. really disappointed. And I, I tried not to like make her feel bad, but I was kind of like, oh, I thought it was going to be shoulder length. And it's like shorter than chin length now. And she said, yeah, well, I just kept having to even it out. And one thing led to another. And so I was kind of like, all right, whatever. I'm not that attached to my hair. And I left. But the next morning... I woke up and I was like really disappointed about it. I kind of woke up with this sense of dread. Like what happened to my long hair? And um, I was kind of surprised that I had that sort of reaction. And I Mm. I went to go do my quiet time and I took it to the Lord and said, okay, I know this is a disproportionate reaction to something so worldly and passing. And why do I feel this way? And I'm not even a hair person that much. And so I think the Lord just sweetly showed me at that point that it had been part of my identity um, without me even realizing it, and that um, anything that we miss that much or long for that much that's not him is an idol. And I was listening to a song as I was doing The Quiet Time, and it was talking about idols, and the Lord just sort of brought that to mind um, and also brought to mind the verse that says, um, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair <laughs> and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Meanwhile, I'm like looking at the braid, holding it, the actual <laughs> braid that I wish was still attached to my head. And so... <laughs> Um, it was just a sweet time of the Lord, I think, clearing that idol out of my life and humbling me and showing me that I can have idols in areas I don't even realize I do. Mm. And so, great. To him be the glory. And meanwhile, I'm short hair. <laughs> and it's adorable. It really, really is so cute. And mm. I love, I mean, I love that story. At, and it's so true of us as um, people, but women too. Like, I think I tend to think of myself as a relatively low maintenance person mm-hmm. when it comes to my appearance. But then mm-hmm. I've had moments like that where I've thought, Oh, maybe I just think I'm low maintenance, but I actually <laughs> I'm a little bit high maintenance yeah. about this thing or that thing. Like when yeah. I see a picture of myself and I'm picky or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. And I do, that's a perfect segue into what, I mean, I want to ask you about. So the study that Kara wrote, um, that I've done and I've led some ladies through, it's awesome. It's a, it's a study of the woman's body in scripture and asking what does God's word say mm-hmm. about our bodies in general, both men and women, but then specifically women mm-hmm. too. And, um, it's, it's just a really awesome study. So I, mm-hmm. I'd love to ask you first, what prompted you to write a study mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the woman's body and what God's word says about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, when I was in college, I went to college in, um, North Carolina, I was down there and I think that's just a time in life where, um, women are going through sort of self-discovery and um, learning about themselves. And there's tons of messages that bombard you about your body at that time. Mm. You know, you're around other women, kind of away from home. And um, I think a lot of those messages are unhealthy. And um, anyway, at that point, I was um, training for a marathon uh, that someone had kind of roped me into. And um, suddenly I found myself training and I'm out on the streets running for long hours at a time. And... Um, in high school, I had memorized this set of scripture verses that my young life leader had made me do. And, um, one of them was, um, therefore, brothers, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And I kept thinking, 
as I was running, like, what does that mean? Because I was thinking about my body as I was running and I was using my body. And what does that mean to be a living sacrifice? And how, like, practical, like, great, it sounds nice, but what does that mean to actually do that? And the other verse was, that came to mind was, um, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, living sacrifices and honoring God with our bodies. Like, how do we as women in today's mm. day and age, how yeah. do we do that? And what does that mean? And how do we practically apply that? And so that kind of um, stuck in my mind. But I thought at the time, you know, I'm too young to do that. <laughs> like this. What do I know? You know, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have like a lot of the experiences that people have with their body, women have with their bodies as they, mm-hmm. as they grow. And I thought, you know, I'll do that when I'm older later on or whatever. And so, um, a few years ago I said, okay, well now I have a kid and, um, I've experienced a lot of that. So I guess I'm old now and better. <laughs> oh and, um, so then I just started and I had been collecting verses all, all yeah. those years in the back of my Bible, as I would come across a verse relating to the body, I would write it in like the back blank pages of my Bible and kind of collected cool. it up there. So I started with just that collection of verses and themes and thoughts and things to write about sort of spun from that. That's awesome. And I, I mean, doing the study, I was so, um, hit by, how many verses do address our yeah. physical body and so many different parts of it. One yeah. of my, one of my favorite parts is where you, um, you entitle it goat hair and deer feet. <laughs> and I love that. And you had, yeah. you just went through and talked about different specific parts of yeah. our bodies, like yeah. verses that talk about our hands and our mm-hmm. legs and mm-hmm. our hair and mm-hmm. our breasts and like mm-hmm. all of it. And, mm-hmm. um, and reading what those scriptures yeah. say about those specific, not just your body in general, mm-hmm but the specific parts of your body. And some of them were parts of my body that I'm not particularly fond of. And so it was really good to see, okay, God's word actually talks about these things. Um, so that's really cool that you had been collecting them for, for so long. That's awesome. So you sort of kick off the whole study with this picture. And I love this picture. This is really stuck with me, um, Mm -hmm. from the study, the picture of temples and tents. And Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that. Like, what is that comparison Mm -hmm. um, from scripture? Yeah. So these um, two metaphors started to surface as I was looking at, um, you know, how does God talk about our bodies in the Bible? And um, I guess they really stuck out to me because they seem so different from one another. Mm-hmm. So um, when you think of a temple, it's, you know, something grand and glorious and majestic and beautiful. And then you think of a tent and it's like something sort of just like functional and temporary and collapsible. Yeah, and crotchety. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So um, I really just wanted to dig into that a little bit. And so one of the chapters does that. Um, you know, what does that mean that we're both this, this structure that is, you know, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, we, we dwell in these earthly tents. And 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians talk about both of these metaphors. And so mm-hmm. um, I really think it's a good picture for us to kind of live in the tension between those two, in the balance between those two, and um, not be so... Um, enamored and focused on the beauty of the temple, but also not just toss it out, you know, toss it in the basement storage room like you do with a tent. Mm. It's, it's both, you know, our body is a tool like a tent is, but it's also something beautiful to be admired like a beautiful temple would be. And so Mm. to get it into both of those and, and, and not go too far in one direction or the other, but live in the balance between them. I think is, is what we want to aim for. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was really eye opening for me that just living in that tension and I tend to swing to one side or the other, um, depending on which aspect of 
my body I'm thinking about, whether it's, you know, I feel like I'm getting old and, Mm -hmm. and needing to be reminded this is a temporary Mm -hmm. vessel. This Mm -hmm. is, this is a gift that's temporary. Mm -hmm. And, um, it just holds something that is eternal and that's both beautiful and temporary. And, and that it is, it's been an eye opening balance for me as I think about my body, which as women we do, we just have this, like, I mean, I'm not all women. And if you don't struggle mm-hmm. with this as a woman, I, I admire you. I mean, I, I think for a lot of us, there's a, a, a pain, a, a constant re- evaluation and reevaluation yes. of where I stand. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you talk in the study about, you call it the comparison curse. And mm-hmm. I think so many of us feel mm-hmm. the, the effects of that curse, but I'm mm-hmm. just constantly, if mm-hmm. I'm not comparing myself to someone else, mm-hmm. I'm comparing myself to myself 10 years ago, <laughs> or I mean, it's, I'm always uh, comparing yeah. something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what is that? What is that about? What's the comparison yeah. curse? And yeah. why, why is it there? Yeah. And I would just say too, what you said reminded me, I don't feel like I've arrived in this and I arrived and then I wrote the study. It's more like as I write the study, I'm sort of preaching to myself and reminding myself of the truth I need to hear because I'm not one of those women who says, oh, I don't really struggle with that. Like, because I do struggle so much is why I felt like, okay, I need to dig into this in the scriptures and hear from the Lord and write what I'm learning. And so, um, yeah, so the comparison curse, I, I I write about it in such negative terms because I feel like it's really detrimental what we do in comparing ourselves. And I think um, society kind of encourages it, um, especially with just, you know, the magazines you see in the supermarket aisle or whatever. They're kind of, um, you know, I lost all this baby weight. What about you? And meanwhile, you see a photoshopped, you know, (laughs) model who maybe, you know, just lost that on some computer program that took it off. Um, And I think there's just this sense of like always comparing, always using this worldly standard on whether we measure up to each other. And um, I think it just breaks God's heart that we would use such a standard with ourselves. Um, You know, he encourages us not to use a physical standard. You know, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. Um, That's in 1 Samuel. And um, I think we tend to be wowed by appearance, by height, by slenderness, by all these things. and. God's like, okay, that is not the ultimate standard, but we compare ourselves to each other. And that's detrimental, not only to our own well-being, but it's detrimental toward the others that we're comparing to. Like we just, I I feel like as Christian women, we need to rise above that and move beyond that. And, um, you know, look at ourselves through God's eyes and see ourselves as the beautiful daughters of Christ that we are. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I love in that section, you defined envy and, you know, I, I think, I tend to, you know, again, believe mm-hmm. the lie that like, oh, I'm, I don't envy mm-hmm. others, mm-hmm. you know, appearances or, or what they have. And you defined, you know, you gave Webster's definition of envy and mm-hmm. it's painful or resentful mm-hmm. awareness mm-hmm. of an advantage enjoyed by another yeah. joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. And yeah. I mean that it, it grossed me out, but it also struck a nerve just yeah. to read it on paper. Like that's really simple. It's really basic. And I experience it every single day. Like right. I, there's something right. that, you know, even for me to just admire, like, Oh look, her hair is so pretty, but then it so quickly translates into, I wish I had pretty hair like yeah, that, yeah, you know, or yeah. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just so quickly goes there and it, it's corrosive. And, yeah. you know, and yeah. you talk so much about that in study and yeah. that's, it's so good. If we could rise above that, I feel mm-hmm. like, right what would it do to our relationships? Yeah. You know, it yeah. would, it would just change, it yeah. would change everything. 
it's it's corrosive and I think it's it's sin, right? I mean, mm. it's coveting and I think we don't often see it for the sin that it is. Mm, yeah. It's one of those what do they call it? Acceptable sins or respectable sins. Yeah, I almost sins feel like I'm a victim that, of it. Like yeah. not like not I'm not embracing sin like yeah. I God, if you had given me that hair, then I wouldn't have to, I almost feel like the victim in the scenario, not the person embracing the attitude Mm -hmm. that does not glorify God. And like Mm -hmm. you said, is going to, um, be detrimental to me, but also to that other person or that other woman. Or, um, even if I'm just comparing myself to myself, like 10 years ago, because we talked about this the other day about how I so often, you know, I mean, like we're, we're all like, let's be honest, we all, when we see a photograph of our, it's a group photograph that we know we're in, we immediately look for ourselves and <laughs> I are never like, how, no, please, <laughs> yeah, I don't believe you. Um, it's, it's something that we do. And, um, and if you, again, if you don't do it, that's great. I mean, let us know on the contact page and tell us how you do it. But we do it and we, and we want to see, you know, how we look and, and we want to stand the right way and, and pose and all that stuff. Um, but I, I see it in, I feel like the proof of this, and you talk about this, is when I look back at a picture of myself, like on my honeymoon or on my wedding day, mm-hmm. now being mm-hmm. having been married for 10 years and having mm-hmm. three kids, I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, I was so skinny. Mm-hmm. Like I, but I f- then felt like I was fat. Yeah. Like I remember feeling so self-conscious about my body and specific parts of my body that now I look at them and I just laugh. I'm like, I was self-conscious about that part of my body then. Mm-hmm. And now it's all stretched and weird. And I mean, all kinds. And so, um, even that, like, that's not, that doesn't lead me to anything other than, um, distraction from mm-hmm. the life and assignments that God has in front of me yeah. and self-pity. And it's, it's just so, um, yeah, just so disruptive to our lives as women. So that's yeah. why I feel like this study is so important. Um, mm. because even though I think I tend to think of it as a, a back of my mind kind of issue, yeah. um, it's, I think it's, it's pervasive. It, it ends up affecting more things than I realize mm-hmm. it does. And yeah. when I really, mm-hmm. um, dig down in there and say like, okay, what is, what is the root of this? I re I really realize how many aspects of my life it actually affects my marriage, my friendships, mm-hmm. um, my ministry. I, I mean, everything, mm-hmm. it just affects so much. So yeah. one of my favorite yeah. scriptures in the study is Romans six thirteen. Um, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And, um, so this is, this is the million dollar question. How do we do that as women specifically, or as people in general, um, you sort of address the issue of, you talk about God's, about beauty and about how Mm -hmm. God created women specifically, Mm -hmm. um, in some ways to be an expression of his beauty, just like he made the sunset beautiful and he Mm -hmm. made, you know, the, he he made women to be beautiful Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's Mm -hmm. just sort of. Um, mm-hmm. what he did. I don't know why he did it, but he did. Yeah. And so then it's our responsibility to use that gift that he's given us of our mm-hmm. physical body mm-hmm. as an instrument for his glory. Right. And yeah. so the contrast of that is to use it for our own selfish purposes or yeah, for yeah, evil yeah, yeah. purposes. And so talk a little bit about that. I mean, how do mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. that? I mean, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Yeah, I think um, my hope is and was in writing the study is that, um, each woman can kind of 
dig into that really deeply and say, okay, what does that look like in my own life? Mm. Um, one common answer that I've seen as I've done the study with others is for married women to say, you know, um, I want to use my beauty, um, to please my husband and, you know, be beautiful for him. And that is great. And that's a great application. And I agree with it and try to do that too. Um, but I think there's more there even than that. And I think there's, there's more there for, um, single women also. Like I want to believe that a teenage girl in high school can, um, benefit from this too and see the inherent beauty that she has. Because really I, I firmly believe that all women are beautiful, that God has created us, um, to reflect the beauty that he has and um, no matter the body shape or type or skin color or hair color, I think that we we have this reflection of God's beauty and, that, and that's inherent in us. And um, so my hope would be that um, in doing this study and um, more so than the study itself, but digging into the scriptures herself, each yeah. woman can find um, ways that it w- what it would look like in her life to reflect reflect God's beauty. Um, in her inward and outward. And I don't think the two can be so easily separated because yeah. um, it's it's who you are on the inside and who you are on the outside. And those are combined into this be- holistically beautiful person. And so um, anyway, I was talking about this with Jess earlier and an example came to mind from yesterday. I was thinking, you know, how can this play out? And um, after church yesterday, uh, a hmm. woman came up to me who um, sings on the worship team at church and she's a little bit older than I am and um, single and she just came up and said some really encouraging words to me and I just remember hmm. like she was smiling and just I thought she's so beautiful um, just like her face had just like this pleasant like and I mean it's not about her makeup or yeah. or whatever she was wearing I don't even know what she had on clothes wise but it was just this inward glow coming out of her that was encouraging to me and not thinking about herself, but just came up and had encouraging words for me. And I could just sense the Christ in her, but she also presented herself well. And the combination Mm. of all of that, I just really found her beautiful. And, um, you know, I think if she looked the same, but said something nasty, it would have been different, (laughs) you know? And so, um, I don't know, there's this combination of inner beauty and then outward how we reflect God's beauty in a physical way. Yeah. And I don't think, I think there's a tendency in the church to just to dismiss the physical and yeah. say, you know, God only cares about the inside. And so um, whatever's on the outside doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Right. And I don't think that is totally true. I don't think that leads women in a good direction to think that way because we do have this outward physical appearance that God gave us and it's there. Yeah. And what are we to do with that? And yeah. I think we need to keep pressing into that. That's good. That's awesome. And I, I remember in college, my friend, this one friend and I, we had this weird thing where we, we tried to develop like a different faces because we were like on the dating scene. And so like we had a certain face that was like our, we're interested in this guy face. <laughs> and then like, if there was a guy who might be interested in us, who we weren't interested in, we like worked on making like a really weird like face that made us look either mean or like unapproachable or whatever. And, um, and we would practice these faces and just make each other laugh really. I mean, we never really use them in real life, but, um, that came to mind when I was doing the study because I realized that, you know, when I like, for example, with my children, um, my son is so cute right now. He's in a really cute phase. He's five years old. And, um, the other morning over breakfast, I'm, I mean, I have like not had my first sip of coffee yet. And so, I mean, obviously no makeup on. Um, 
I'm like in a robe, like pretty, just, I'm not a morning person. I try to be, but I'm not really naturally. And so he's like eating his cereal and he's the only one at the counter. And I'm taking my first sip of coffee and, um, and he looks up at me and smiles and I just smiled back at him and he said, Hey mom. I was like, what buddy? You are so beautiful, he said uh-huh. to me. My little five-year-old Elijah, he's so sweet. And the thing that struck me is I, there are times where I, my kids would not call me beautiful. The times where I am, you know, yeah. losing it a little bit or just really grumpy or just stay in your beds. It's bedtime, yeah. you know. And it, it, he wasn't responding to me being put together, to having makeup on, to, mm-hmm. he was just responding to me pouring him cereal and smiling mm-hmm. at him. Mm-hmm. And on a very like core level, he was, he acknowledged beauty in me and, and it was, it's just so yeah, sweet and, and a good reminder to remember, okay, everything, you know, the scripture says we're supposed to be an instrument and we're all yeah. different instruments yeah. in the yeah. orchestra. We're all made so differently, but we choose how we're going to be used. And mm-hmm. it's, it's our physical and our spiritual, it's our words, it's our smile, it's everything mm-hmm. can be an expression of God's beauty through us. And I just, I love that. And that's, it's so convicting to me because it's a choice every day for sure. So, so final question. I love to um, wrap up with this question. If you were going to tell me something that I could try today, a try it today moment, whether someone's listening or, um, or that you would tell me to try, what is one practical thing, Kara, that I could try today to sort of test drive some of these things? Yeah. Well, um, (laughs) Just going on the example of this woman yesterday at church, I mean, I was really just impressed by her. And it's not like she's done the study or anything, but she's just living it out. And Mm. so um, I think if you could get your eyes off yourself, and I'm saying this to myself too, (laughs) get my eyes off myself and slow down long enough to think about somebody else and what's an encouraging word or a, a praise, something about them, a compliment, but mm-hmm. sincere, not just, yeah. Hey, great shirt. Good. I got this done with, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but a sincere, like focus on somebody else and to go up to them with time and you sort of like a slowed down hard enough to focus on them and smile at them and, and encourage them with these words. Um, I don't know. I'm in, I'm impressed by this woman who did that for me yesterday, and like, can I do that for someone today? You know, it's awesome. A friend of mine or a family member, um, and especially a woman. A woman. I'm just <laughs> excited about women encouraging women, and Absolutely. so yeah. um, to just go up and and think about think about your expression as you do it, mm. and and your mouth and using your mouth, which is part of your body, and the the study gets into that going through each of our body parts, and so yeah. our mouth, our tongue, our lips. There's so many scriptures on yes. these. I mean, I had to cut myself back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to write a whole second study for yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> a whole second study on that. Um, but in the section where we get into, you know, mouth and lips and tongue, like out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. So yeah. what's coming out of our heart and Absolutely. how is our mouth glorifying God? And so today, can you use your mouth, your tongue to glorify God um, by speaking words of encouragement to lift up somebody else. Mm, That's good. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, Kara. Well, thanks for being here. I just love you so much. I'm so grateful that we got this time together and hopefully we'll chat again soon. Thanks for having me.